It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Espresso Radio, and this is, I typically say co-host Jacqueline Sanders, but I'm solo hosting tonight. Jacqueline Sanders of Blog Talk Radio, and tonight my typical co-host, David Blackman, he's not with us, but I know in spirit, and he may call in a question or two later on, but as often happens in the technology field, uh, sometimes you, you got a project, a project demand. And you have to answer to those demands. So, but nonetheless, as they say, the show must go on, and we're going to have a great show tonight because uh, Derek Brown is on the show so much he could be even considered one of our co-co-hosts. But first of all, let me say <laughs> good evening, Derek. <laughs> good evening, Jacqueline. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you, and uh, we always appreciate you being on the show, and um, hey, you, you get the numbers. A lot of people, you got a great fan club that like to follow you over here to Technology Expresso, tune in, and hear what you have to talk about. And so uh, we like to give the people what they want, and I want to say that they can now count on hearing Derek Brown at least four times this year because we're going to have him back on a quarterly basis, and we're going to stay with the theme that we're going to kick off tonight. It's under our category of thought leadership, and it's around one of his books. Those who know Derek, that you know Derek in a lot of different capacities. Um, you know him, and he's been on the show as the president of Atlanta BDPA as he takes um, it pursues his second year this year and, in that office and continues to uh, bring innovative and just inspiring programs to the Atlanta BDPA under his leadership. But tonight we're going to talk to Derek Brown under the capacity of author. And those who know Derek know that it's his passion. Um, And he writes on a lot of different topics, but tonight we're going to hone in on critical success. And that's something that I feel can transcend not only technology, STEM, just in life in general, who doesn't want critical success? But 
how you get there. Now, that's a different story. And I know that Derek is going to break it down for us, but I still want you to go out to Amazon.com and look for D.S. Brown and look for his whole library of books, um, The Education Primer, Letters to My Mom, uh, to my mother, I'm sorry, Letters to My Mother, um, and other books that he's written. And I know that there's more to come. He always has a, a backlog, so he's just waiting for you to catch up. And then I know he's going to probably introduce several more this year. But let's start out with critical success, Derek. Take us back and tell us how you started out on the journey and and came up with critical success. Well, absolutely, Jacqueline. First, let me say once again that I'm glad to be on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. You know I'm dedicated to the cause. I support the Technology Express mission because it's a mission that I am passionate about and share deep in my heart and soul, you know, uplift, seen, growth of our community, and elevation of our people. So that's what it's all about. I'm dedicated to it. And tonight's book, our subject matter, ties to that. So to your point, talking about how I got started with it, I guess it was maybe seven, yeah, time flies, probably seven years ago. And to your point, I'm passionate about writing. And I started writing a couple of fictional novels. And my first thing to I wanted to try to get out was a book about Freaknik, which matter Freaknik is gone, it's still coming. As you said, I keep things on the shelf, and that one will be popping. So it'll, it'll be out soon enough, shameless plug, with, when Atlanta freaks. And then the other book was Monumental Atlanta, which was a, a trilogy. And I had agents, and, you know, we were uh, going to put manuscripts with the books. I mean, uh, uh, movie scripts with the manuscripts to go with the books, uh, had a detailed plan, and it fell through, just like the economy. But the interesting thing is, as I started to do that, I started to also look critically at the plight of our people in our community. And I felt myself drawn to write nonfiction before I published fiction. And one of the main things that pushed it was something that's starting to be resurgent again right now. And I'll give you a perfect example. I'm sitting in a meeting yesterday, and I get a phone call, and I don't recognize the number. And usually my cell phone doesn't pick up strange numbers. You know, you see, I try to keep it close to the vest just for the people that I know. But I answered, and then some guy invited me to go downtown Atlanta to a real estate seminar where he's going to teach me how to flip houses as fast as you please and put $10,000 in my pocket every two weeks or something like that. And I was like, stop the BS. Here we go again. The cycle has come back around after the long economic recession. But messages just like that are what started the seed for critical success, the two rules of three and the application of critical thinking around what we want to achieve and how we want to achieve it and how we get to what I call FTEC, fundamental personal economic control, so you can manage your funds and then allocate the money that you make in order to achieve the things that require those funds and be successful. And for the life of me, it's fascinating that the same things always work, but they're coming back around again. You know, money scams. Pick your stock. I'm going to show you how to, how to make a million dollars. There's a seminar coming up. People are probably hearing it on the radio. It's probably the same guys who called my phone. You know, they, they want you to come down, and people will show up in droves. They'll listen to about four or five people speak, talk about how you can flip houses and how the method is surefire, and you'll look at these people with bright, wide eyes and stars, and you'll sit there and go to yourself. I think I'm going to be just like them, and I'm going to 
get rich selling housing. I'll show you examples of people who did it and the methods that work for them. And then I'll tell you, if you go to the back of the room and spend $400 on the packet that they've got, that, you know, you're, you're going to get rich as long as you follow what's in that packet and sign up for the school and do the course online. And even though DVDs are kind of blase, they still got the DVD for sale for a hot $15. Not to mention the $45 you paid to get the seminar in the first place. So if about 400 people show up and pick up all that material, sign up for the course, and pay the door fee, what you don't recognize is that the people on the stage didn't necessarily get rich by flipping houses. They got rich off of you walking through the front door. That was the seed that sparked critical success of two rules of three. It was a book not only just to spur the critical thinking mind in general, but to try and help people break through what I call the critical thinking barriers. And the willful assumption of debt is one of them. And, and get-rich-quick schemes, that's number two. You know, the book was centered around that, and it became more expansive. And as you know me well enough, Jacqueline, it just started a whole generation of thought around some of the things that I write. So I'm an aspiring critical thinker lifelong. I don't believe you ever get to the goal. You live your life to continue getting educated. That's part and parcel of what I think God intended. And if you would be a critical thinker, then that means you live your life every day trying to figure out how to leverage perspective, think as much as you can using the skills that you have and adding to that repertoire over time. That's all what it is. Critical success, the two rules of three. Apply them and you will live better. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you're so right. It's it's the beginning of the year, uh, 2015. People have high hopes, and um, they can find themselves gullible. Whether it's the you know the the quick and fast diet, whatever they're, they're promising on TV, and we're just bombarded with that and, and the various advertisements, the the promise of quick weight loss, the promise, like you said, of quick money, quick success, and like we like you said, it, those are the people get rich off of you being gullible, and by the time you figure it out, they've moved on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know it's 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 time to stop the madness. And your book is by no stretch of the imagination, even what you said the forty nine dollars to get into the seminar. Your book for less than probably uh, two cups of Starbucks. You can get the book, mm-hmm. and it talks about the two rules of three. And you'll see as I've kind of been building up to tonight's show, I kept saying, find a way to build your roadmap. I'm all about building the plan, working the plan. And then use your tools, your support, your network to keep you on track, to keep you honest to yourself. That's so important. So let's talk about, you know, people, break down for us some of the the terminology behind critical success and critical thinking. What is that? Okay. So we can start with a general definition of what is critical thinking. It's the act or practice of one that thinks with careful, exact evaluation and judgment. That is straight out of the dictionary. What I like to say is critical thinking is the application of perspective, patience, deep thinking, and evaluation. Just a little twist in the words. In other, in other words, what you're trying to do is leverage your mental power at whatever level it may be to derive the best solution possible. And you also have to be open to the possibility that the solution that you come up with yourself may not be the right one. At its core, I call this the hallmark of the critical thinker. It is a sincere ability to seek to internalize the perspective of others, most especially when that perspective is either diametrically or violently opposed to your own. If more people would do that in politics, we would not live in such a highly ideological environment. It's not always my way. It can't be. 
It's not always your way. It can't be. The truth might not be in the middle of the road, but sometimes it is. We have to figure out the right path. It's whether you're dealing with people or whether you're dealing with circumstance and situation. That is the application of critical thinking. From the book's perspective, what I talk about is critical success, and that is the planned achievement of something urgent and essential, utilizing skillful planning and judgment for the express purpose of attaining personal prosperity. That is the definition of critical success. That's all it is. Hold on to that. Leverage that. And in order to achieve it, in the book I describe the two rules of three, which is part of the overall 10-point plan, but we can jump straight to the first rule of the two rules of three because it ties to something that you just mentioned. The first rule is 3FE, and there's a book coming that, that dives deeper into that concept. It's my tool for motivational empowerment for aspiring critical thinkers. Find, focus, establish the fundamentals, and execute. So with 3FE in the find phase, what you're doing is you're gathering data. You're picking up the details. You're looking at the things that are out there, whatever given problem it may be, and you're trying to figure out what is meaningful. It's just all data. Now, some people call this information, but that's not exactly right. Again, it's just raw data, and those of us in IT understand that implicitly. Data becomes information when it has value. So in the focus phase, what you're doing is you're looking at the disparate pieces of data, and you're looking for the ties that bind, the relationships that arise from the pieces of data the extra data that surrounds it that we call metadata, the description of the things that are derived and are tied to the problem. In the focus phase, things start to make sense. You start to take the data and turn it into true information. And often enough, when a human being goes through this activity, a path forward can be described. So that takes you to the next phase, the establishment of the fundamentals. The fundamental building of your plan, a critical thinker's plan, if you're finding and you're focusing and now you've, turned, you've taken data and turned it into information that has value, you can discern a path forward. Step one, step two, step three, step four, whatever they may be, that is your fundamental plan. You go over it, you go over it again, you go over it one more time. You don't get into analysis paralysis. You are very much aware of the situation. You don't get stuck, but you recognize that even in the most intractable problems, you may have hit a wall, but if this is the best plan you got, then you go on to the E, and that's execute. Find, focus, establish the fundamental plan, and execute. You're not going to win without a plan. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. So 3FE is the poor man's tool for problem solving. I like to call it the overarching methodology because 3FE is not the end-all, be-all. What 3FE is designed to do is to get you to just stop and think and consider. You may need to use some other process. If you're in IT and you're a project manager, you may use 3FE to try and figure out what's the best approach to an iterative design and project management. You know, it leads you to other solutions. It can be the solution in and of itself, but that only speaks to the simplicity of the problem that you're trying to resolve. That's what you have to be wary of. But the tool itself is designed for ease of use. It can't be any simpler. It rolls off the tongue. It helps you think. That's the first rule of three. And the next one is three popping. Before I go on too long, I want to take a break and let you get a word back in, Jacqueline. No, no. You know, my ears are, you know, this is music to my ears, literally, um, because I'm a business analyst in the IT field. And for us, the the whole process of, of critical and logical thinking is, is so critical. Um, I just today had a conversation uh, about in the IT arena, the worst thing you can do is go from, problem definition to solutioning. Um, in between, you've mm-hmm. got to have that analysis. And that's what I'm hearing you kind of break down 
but applying it to it in whatever aspect or capacity. And once you kind of understand that, and if you can apply it, whether it's a personal problem, whether it's your job search, whether it's on the job, because I, I, I say there's a business analyst and everybody whose job is problem solving, there should be a business analyst aspect to your job as well. So that's kind of how I internalize what you just said. And and I want to take everyone back. We're talking with Derek Brown about his book, Critical Success, The Two Rules of Three. And he was just taking us through one of the first steps. And and you you talked about 3FE, which is in its own self going to soon be a a book that kind of a spinoff, let's say, of Critical Success. But the starting point for our listeners for this show is everyone go out to Amazon.com, get the book, read the book. It's it's an easy reading, and I know Derek Brown very well. So when he breaks it down, he breaks it down. He it's in it's in layman's language. You're going to be able to digest that. Take that, digest that, and then you're going to and then they'll they'll be all lined up and ready to go as soon as the three FE hits the shelf. Uh, because we'll be ready for that next that next deep dive. So, and and I want to say to people, this is a four part series. So we get Derek for four four shows, four segments. We're going to do this once a quarter. Um, you'll he'll be with us the next um, next time he'll be with us is in April. It'll be the second Wednesday. So what you have plenty enough time. Get the book, apply it come up with your questions for Derek, and you'll be able to call into the show, and we're going to ask and interact live uh, when we have Derek back back the next time. But I, I just want to set that up because some people, as they, they dial in and, and get logged in, I can see you there, and, and we want to welcome our listeners. And then I'm, I'm going to hand it back over to Derek. So take us to the next step. Okay. So uh, I want to take this in two different ways. As you're talking, a, a thing occurs to me, it, and it ties. It, it just ties so much to what you said. You know, I am an IT just like you. Part of the things that I come up with flow out of my everyday, just like it does with everyone else. And my everyday is information technology. So I've recently moved into a new area of the company. I work for Macy's Systems and Technology, and I've been moved to a different area. And being in a different area, you know, you start fresh. You don't know anything. You're trying to figure stuff out. And the area that I'm moving in has a ton of moving parts. So I automatically do what I just talked about by rote now. It's ingrained in me. And I just start looking at the details. I look at the details. I don't try to press it because in the upcoming book, 3FE, I actually have some specific IT examples from a project manager standpoint. They got hired. They They were told to fix the thing fast, get in there, get it done. And the young lady in the book, the character that I described, uses 3FE to get up on her game, to get fully engaged in the project and try and write the track. So at my job, you know, right now I'm just gathering data, and I've done it in different segments to the point where in some instances I've been able to make the data turn into valuable information, things that make sense, and I've executed on some small-level plans. I've been tactical about it. But that's another of the wonderful things about 3FE. It allows you to be strategic and tactical. You can dive deep with it or you can start large. If you have a huge intractable problem, Use 3FE to break it up into smaller parts. You take those smaller parts and you problem solve at those levels and you build the thing back up sort of recursively. You can use the tool in that fashion. So, yeah, you know, you, you were talking about a BA, and I'm, I'm right there with you often enough. 
in projects we find we, we are trying to go through the life cycle and we're missing a piece. You don't have a PM, you don't have a BA, you try to solve the problem, you don't know what the problem is. That's always a painful one. We're gonna we're gonna call this and deploy it, but you you don't know what you're deploying. Anyway <laughs> I, I I get off on that one. But um going back to <laughs> what you asked me. So the first rule is three SEs. It's the book of critical success, two rules of three. The first rule is three SEs. The second rule is three pop, the three principles of prosperity. And again, the book was spawned out of my desire to inoculate people against stupidity. And, you know, I, I got to be frank about it. You know me, Jacqueline. You know, I, I could say it a lot, uh, a lot harsher off the radio. So, you know, I, I'm seeing people and they go to these seminars in droves. And one of the um, seminars that really hit me hard was people showing up to sell these pills. And I think this one was on either 20, 20, or 60 minutes. And the company is an MLM, one of what I call the Get Rich Quick Schemes, unless it's a real viable MLM, but this was a sugar pill. And this woman had brain, had a brain tumor. She had cancer, and she decided she was going to take this pill to cure her cancer. And they did expose on her. They tried to convince her otherwise. Her parents had already passed. She was like 18, just becoming an adult, making her own decision. You know, I've never looked up to see what happened to this young woman, but it, it, it blew me away. It blew me away. And that is also part and parcel to what I teach in the book, another concept that you've heard me mention before, NBC, media-driven consumer celebrity. It's a mean virus. It's a, it's a leveraging of marketing. And one time we call it propaganda. But this company was using that as a tool to convince people like this poor girl to buy their product. And it was convincing people to sell it to try to get rich. They were trying to get rich off of this woman's pain, and they 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 had no no remorse. You know, I fully feel there's a special place in hell for some of these people. But that was uh, that also was part of the genesis of the book, and so that that spawned three FE, that spawned three pop, the three principles of prosperity, and the ten point plan. Three pop, which is the second rule, speaks to the three things I feel every American must do. Because if you're a citizen of this country, you cannot deprive yourself of the opportunities that it provides, no matter how difficult it may be, there's the educational component that is there for you to leverage. So you have real estate. Everyone should try to invest in real estate, and that does not mean your home. Your home is where you live. It is not an investment. You should endeavor to not use it as an ATM. Do not borrow against your home to try to get rich, to buy a bunch of water purifiers, or buy a bunch of vitamins and stack them in your garage thinking you're going to sell them to every one of your neighbors. What you will do is go broke and you will lose your home. That is not part of the three principles of prosperity. Real estate is having a viable enough income so that you can have the capital in place to buy other property or homes and rent them out or sell them because flipping is a viable business. It's just when you go to these seminars that teach you how to do it in a couple of weeks and get rich inside of a year, that's when you start to entertain the, the banal stupidity. It's not real. It may happen for a few lucky ones who have a knack or they live in the right area. But for the most part, it won't happen for the rest of you. You just wind up wasting your money, spend the $400 on a pack, and you make your folks on the stage rich. So you've got real estate, and then you've got the capital markets. If you're an American and you're not investing in the stock market, you're missing out. And for African Americans, that is a huge loss. In our ethnicity alone, we, in large numbers, do not invest, whether it be in our 401K or outside of the work environment. We don't do it. We, we, we are afraid of the stock market. We don't take the time to get educated on it, and we miss out. Bill Gates is not, one of the, the, is not the richest person on the planet, 
because everyone uses his operating system. He became the richest person on the planet because people started using his operating system, and then he took his company public. A lot of that money is realizable, but it is still estimated on paper. It's still realized on paper. It is, it is a number based upon his, the investment that he has in Microsoft. People multiply their wealth by taking a company and going public. And many of us can participate in that just by investing. If you're too afraid to go buy individual stocks, then try and see a, a financial planner and get yourself involved in some mutual funds. Again, African Americans don't do this. And sometimes when we do do it, we don't do the education required in order to understand it. Or we'll go to church and have someone stand up there in front of us and take our money. When they think they were investing it, they were buying other things. And people often ask me, well, Derek, how do you avoid that? How do you avoid a Bernie Madoff? Well, and I'm honest with them because I'll be honest with you, Jacqueline, in the future, you've heard me say it, I want to do something for our community along the same lines, leading a type of fund that people can believe in. But with, if you don't have total exposure to what you're putting your money in, then don't put your money in it. Know where your money is going. Now, Bernie Madoff was a masterful liar. If you got caught by him, odds are you were going to get caught by him. It's just you can't get around. He, was, he had a million-dollar operation to print bank statements. He lied to the SEC. He defrauded the federal government. If you find someone like that, God be with you, you are unlucky. But for the most part, the industry is not full of people like that. You can find someone that's credible. You can check your accounts. You can pull your money when you want, unless you are invested in a type of financial instrument where your money is locked in. All these are options that are open to you. If you are making an income, then you need to see about investment. That's the, that's the next rule. And then the last rule is entrepreneurship. Everybody in the black community I know of that seems to make a dollar wants to open a business, and this is a good thing. If you're an American, you should try and do you be an entrepreneur. The, the opportunity is there for you, and I say that. Now, what we have to understand is that as an American, I say you should try. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it well. Everyone needs to definitely be doing the first two, real estate and capital market. I explain that in the book. But if you have a means and you want to try, try number three. But, again, the book at its soul is about the application of critical thinking. So what I would ask you to do, if you're going to attempt to do number three and you're going to open up the, the hottest wing shack on the street because your mama said your wings are so darn good, I want you to stop and think. Does everybody like your wings? Either you do either location that you're going to choose to open your wing shack, will you get a lot of traffic? Have you been told that, let's put it like this, do your wings move like crack rock? If they don't, the substantial investment you put in the wing shack will probably be lost. And folks don't think about these things when they start to open up a business, especially those of us that clamor towards opening a restaurant. You know, the margins on restaurants are incredibly thin. For those that don't understand what I'm saying, what that means is the amount of money you spend to get the food, keep the place open, all of that, you know, mine is taken away from the money you make selling chicken leaves you with very little profit for you to take home and live on. Margins are thin. Understand, if you decide to do this, you're sick, you got to go make the chicken. Your feet hurt, you got to go make the chicken. Your back fell out, you better put a Band-Aid on your back and get up and go make the chicken because you got to make the chicken. And that's the only way you're going to go in and make money. And I tell people, I actually did a seminar on this a couple of years ago at the Variety. A couple of young folks say we want to open a restaurant, we want to open a nightclub. We want to do this, we want to do that. But they don't think critically about going about the process of doing it. 
the best way for you to to extend your margins and get yourself rapidly in the profit, if you're going to do something like that, is sell alcohol. Well, Derek, why why do you want to do that? Because people will buy liquor no matter what. Think about that. That's you trying to be an entrepreneur. You want to open up your little shack with your wings. will extend your shack and put a bar in it. But be thinking and be ready. Have the capital. Why? Because the liquor license ain't free. And you can't just open up the shack and start, you know, throwing out Boone's Farm or hopefully wouldn't go that low with it, you know, gin and tonic or what have you. You you have to have a license. You have to be legitimate. You have to be educated and go through the entire process. All that to say, that is the third core part of Street Pop, the three principles of prosperity. Again, capital markets, real estate, entrepreneurship. The two of those things together, collectively, comprise the two rules of three. And in order to get to those things in a book, I described the 10-point plan, and I said it enough tonight already. You need to stop and think. That's the first thing you need to do in a 10-point plan. In fact, that's a plan all by itself because we just don't do enough of it. Stop and think. Number two, know the painful truth. Three, look in the mirror and paint the picture. Four, isolate and identify your flaws. Five, use the tools. Three, FE. Six, understand the three principles of prosperity. Seven, Know the clear discipline of effective execution. Eight, why do we fall? Why do we fail? So we can get back up and try again. Nine, follow the yellow brick road. And ten, walk into the cliff. I walk you through those steps in the book, and if you follow them, I guarantee you, you will find yourself in a better place. You'll feel good about it. You might not be a millionaire, and I'm damn sure not going to guarantee that's going to happen for you, but at the very least, if you stick to it, understand your own personal flaws, manage your debt effectively, you'll sleep better. And if you sleep better, you may think better. And if you think better, then you can have a better plan. If you have a better plan, it may very well carry you to the riches that you so very well deserve. And that might mean being a millionaire. It may mean being a thousandaire that's comfortable and happy doing the thing that you're passionate about. Everybody wasn't meant to be a multimillionaire, and we missed that in our pursuit of wealth. you got to figure out what drives you and hold fast to it. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I'm going to let Derek breathe for a minute because I don't think he took a breath through that whole segment. <laughs> I'm not sure how he does it, but <laughs> if you can imagine everything he said, and some of you are probably thinking, I did not catch everything he said. You never will. Don't try. You can play the radio show back. That's one, that's one option. Or you also can get the book and read it at your leisure. <laughs> Because he has put all that wisdom in his book. <laughs> but I, I, I will say, you know, everybody, as you listen, you're probably hearing something that you can relate to, that you can pick up. Now do the deep dive. Get the book. Read the book. Do do the work. Do the work. Do the homework. And I, and I dare say it, like you said, when you're reading the book, you hold a mirror up. You know, stop. Pause. This is more of a journey um, a study and, and getting to know yourself and challenging yourself to think. I, I heard a couple of key things. It's, it's teaching you a new way of thinking. And you know the old saying, if you keep doing things the way you've always done them, you're going to keep getting the same results. Things are not going to change. So sometimes the, the very thing you need to change is how you think. Now, who you, don't, you can't necessarily go out there and get a class on how to think. But I dare say you now can get a book that will talk you through it. And like I said, I love that you just break it down for people, Derek. It's so relatable, um, but at the same time truthful and, and quite intense. 
and, and I wanted to read a quote as you were talking, and I think it, it, it also hits on a lot of things you just said. It says here, and, of course, my screen goes blank just as I try to read it, but critical thinking skills, when applied correctly, help to armor people against accepting lies blindly. And you were um, talking about the, the Bernie Madoff, um, and, and, you know, you will, people will lie to you. Some people are very good at it, but not accepting lies blindly. You know, it, and you've probably heard it in other forms or fashion, but if it sounds too good to be true, then hit the pause button. If someone is rushing you into a decision, buy now, get it now, put money down now, write a check now, pause for a minute. Just pause for just a minute. And if if it's there today, it should be there tomorrow. Um, otherwise, that, that's one indicator right there. But pause and do your homework. Don't be afraid to do your homework. And then something else I want to key in on what you said there, and there's a lot of people who – um, you talked about real estate, getting into real estate, um, even investing, and then lastly, even um, possibly becoming an entrepreneur, trying your hand at being an entrepreneur. Some people, especially those first two, um, they stay away from it because they fear it. And I dare say what I picked up on what you said is that you shouldn't be afraid to. You can dive into new areas, areas you haven't, you're not familiar with or haven't done before, but you've got to do your homework, and, and, and as you often hear, you've got to discern the truth. You've got to read, research. You've got to compare. So, so I, I think that that's, that's all very interesting and in how that, that all ties together. But I'll, I'll pause, and, and I'll read my, my quote again, and, and maybe there's something on that that you want to expand upon, but... It says, critical thinking skills, when applied correctly, help to armor people against accepting lies blindly. What are your thoughts there? Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's very true. It is. I mean, a lot of things rush through my head as you mentioned that because, again, critical thinking to me is the balm for what ails us. It armors you. It strengthens you. It allows you to be appropriately contemplative. If you were to apply the rule 3FE in any kind of engagement where someone is trying to approach you, first thing you want to do is listen to the details and stop and think. And you said it clearly. You know, um, we know how the world works when we really think about it. If it's on sale today, it'll be on sale tomorrow. Why do I need to worry about the pressure sale? What's so urgent about doing it right now? And if you really think and listen, then you pick up on things, and that thinking is your defense mechanism. If someone is offering you an investment potential, they may say right off the cuff, we're going to promise you 20%. I'm going to leave your listeners with the gym. There are no 20% return investment devices. They, they don't make those. They're not there. Well, they do make them. It's called fraud. It's called a lie. So if someone tells you they're going to consistently give you 20% return on an investment, run away. Just, just run away. It's, it's not true. And what you guys realize, again, this, this, the CNBC aspect that I'm talking about, I call these the critical barriers, you know, media-driven consumer celebrity. One person can do it. You don't need a, a marketing firm to do it. One silver-tongued devil can speak to you about making money in front of a crowd, and the next thing you know, you're jazzed up, you're feeling good. You want to go tell your friends, we need to do this. This dude is going to make us six figures in six months. And he's like, yeah, he's smiling. He's like, you, give me your money. I'm going to show you how to make millions in the market. 
And he just says a few short things, and, and they're terse and they're on point, but they stick you where it hurts, and it hurts good. And then you hear the word 20%, you actually you pull, you, you, you think you're smart. You actually do something funny, like pull out a calculator. You start calculating. If I give this dude $1,000 every two weeks or something, and he says he's going to give me 20% annually on, on my investment, good God, money. I'm getting paid. You're getting defrauded. And you won't see that money ever again. But you can only do that if you stop and think, if you use critical thinking to arm yourself appropriately. In the book, I have a tip table, and I just want to read it real quick. I think folks will find it quite appropriate. So I have a tip table for knowing when someone is trying to treat you like a sucker. You've been invited to the most important seminar you'll ever attend on getting rich. Run away. It's crap. Several big-name individuals will be in attendance to help you realize your dream of getting rich. Run away. It's crap. The founders of the company couldn't make it to the seminar, but the person can testify to how much money you'll make because he, she is making money hand over fist, and they show slides of the founders' hummers, yachts, and mansions. Run away quickly. It's total crap. If you're at the seminar and they're perfectly willing to help you become a real estate tycoon, media mogul, a stock market wizard for the low, low price of up to $1,000 or so, frown, shake your head, turn and run away fast. It's total crap. If you sit through half a seminar and you never learn how it is you're going to make money, all you hear is that you'll be able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars in very little time. Then you see testimonies of successful people making up to $30,000 a week, you're kidding, right? Please, please run away. It's total crap. Your friend invites you to the seminar and explains that you can come into the organization under them, and you'll both make money together. And in the meantime, he tries to sell you a phone card. Smile and tell him sincerely to look someplace else for a sucker. Then, of course, run. It's total crap. The tip table is applicable, and you can pick and choose what type of thing you want to put in it, you know, you can even put types of events in, in, in your life, not just seminars. You know, it, it goes back to stopping and thinking and recognizing when someone's trying to play you for a fool. Run away from it. And that goes right back to the quote that you just highlighted. That's what Jacqueline, critical thinking does allow you to defend yourself appropriately. It elevates you. It gives you the ability to be expansive. You start to ask critical questions that some of us, most of us, learn in elementary school, but we seemingly forgot, but I've internalized that in the CFE model. You ask who, what, when, how, where, and why. You start to think about these things on a daily basis, and if anyone confronts you with something, you say, who's doing it? What are they doing? Wait a minute. You really can't tell me what you're doing? You just It just sounds good, and, and why are you doing it again? And when have you been doing it, and you really want me to start now? Mm, I'm, I'm, the, the answers to the questions aren't feeling all too wholesome to me. That's what critical thinking gives you, the ability to defend yourself appropriately. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I'm reading some other quotes, and, and for those who, who are uh, out there and, and tweet with us, you know that Technology Expresso, we're always out here at, at sign tech XO Cafe, um, and you can tweet with us now. And I, I'm retweeting a couple of quotes that I found about critical thinking. Now, some people say that, uh, one of the quotes that I, I'm reading is that um, that critical thinking is a way of just disagreeing with people and questioning things. Now, 
it, it, the, the way it's written is kind of as if that's a negative. That's not necessarily a negative to to question things. There, there's a way. There's you know there's a, a, a polite way to to question. And, and like I said, I, I at the very beginning talked about as a business analyst. You know, my world is who, what, when, where, why. Um, and so th- there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing your homework, um, respectfully asking questions and probing. It, it's, it's your prerogative to, to, to question, um, not to accept everything blindly. Um, why would, why would I, I'm kind of questioning, why would anyone think that that's negative? But in, in your mind, uh, what, what, is, what is questioning things? How does that resonate with you as far as critical thinking? Well, to me, you know, we just talked about the defensive mechanism that critical thinking provides. It can it can shield you from negativity. But, you know, if we want to think in terms of defense and offense, that means it also gives you the ability to discern and engage appropriately. So the quote you just read has a, a connotative meaning. It sounds negative. Emotionally, it makes you feel bad because it uses a negative statement, a negative word. It says disagree. So we hear the word disagree, we immediately go, oh. I mean, I even felt that way when you said it. But, you know, in my mind, again, I'm considering perspective, and that's what critical thinking allows you to do. I'm thinking of the perspective of the person who wrote it and what they intended. And you elaborated that as you continued to speak. It is a polite way of disagreeing, and because you don't just want to take everything at face value, I don't. I, I say yes. I use a stronger word than prerogative. I say it's your mandate. If you are involved in a situation, be it problem solving in an IT environment or what have you, then in order to get the best solution, you need to provide your best thinking. If you're going to provide your best thinking, that means you have to be willing to question. You can't just go along and get along. You got to be able to get in a conflict, and that leads to another aspect of critical thinking that I highlight aggressively, strenuously. People feel often enough that the word conflict is negative and total. It's not. There's positive conflict, and that is what you want to engage in. You want to be able to have a conversation with other people where you can talk on both sides of the argument. If someone is vehemently disagreeing with you, then you owe it to yourself to understand why. And if you're doing that, then, as I said earlier, you're living up to the hallmark. And the hallmark says that you are perfectly willing to internalize, seriously internalize and seek to understand the perspective of others. That, don't mean you, that doesn't mean you agree with it. That just means you, you bring it in, you, you flip it upside down, you look at it from multiple perspectives, and you may come out the other side of this exercise and say, I still think I'm right. That, that can happen. But you also have to be perfectly willing to say, I'm wrong. And that's really important. That's the only way we can try to find the right answers for the problems that we see. So, again, you can be a little offensive about it. There's nothing wrong with that. You can disagree. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Disagreements, the word dis has a negative feel to it. But you're not dissing. You're not necessarily disagreeing. You're not agreeing for the purpose of finding the answer that seems to be the best. And through conflict and dialogue, you may find that what you disagreed with is the right answer. And that's just fine if you went through the exercise to make sure first. That is the application of critical thinking. You just don't go with the flow. You don't just accept. You are perfectly willing to question. And this, is enhan- this enhances our mental ability, our capacity to think better, problem solve better, to find better solutions. Absolutely, absolutely. In the long run, it's going to save you, you know, blood, sweat, tears, money, just by taking more time to look critically, think critically. And and one quote I read here, critical thinking 
raises your attention span. You know, we're we're so quick. We want to knee jerk react. And and I like the fact that I like I like that quote. Another one that I wanted to um, share was making critical thinking cool is the best thing we can do for our education system. Um, you know, raising critical thinkers, young critical thinkers. That's that's so in, important. And maybe you can share. Derek, you, you've taught seminars, you've taught classes. Maybe share some stories of some of your attendees and how they've applied critical thinking and, and maybe some of the, the questions that came to you from people taking taking your class. Well, the and I'll just summarize it like this real quick. In a dialogue, the educational material becomes actionable. I'm not asking anybody to memorize my book. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't write it for that. And the same thing applies in a school setting, from from my perspective. And I've got books on how to apply critical thinking in the classroom officially. And you will find some of the same aspects of what we're talking about here tonight in those books. People, kids, adults, teens, everyone learns better when you make the educational material actionable. When you apply it to real world scenarios, and you go back and forth. You can try and memorize the thing and, and make figures stick in your head. It becomes dry. It becomes boring. You don't retain it. You know, we, we're, we're not really geared to operate like that anyway. I mean, we can do it, but we force the edge when we do. It's much easier when there's a dialogue around the activity. When we're trying to learn something, it's much easier when we make it actionable. Trainer and trainee, teacher and student. You're having a dialogue around the mathematics that you're engaged in or the history that you're engaged in. Kids at the high school level find history to be painfully boring, but suddenly it comes alive if you make the lesson actionable. I mean, get them up out of their seats and role play historical activities. My wife does this. And, you know, that, that enhances retention because now all of a sudden the, the books, the, the stories in the books become real-world scenarios that, through the power of imagination in your mind, you, you've lived. And that's critical thinking in action, really. You've taken a material and you looked at it from multiple perspectives. You turned it and flipped it and tossed it upside down. You've asked, how could something so evil as slavery exist at the root of our nation? How, how did that come about and why are we still suffering its pains and its poisons today? There's an intense dialogue around that, but if you just read that it started over 400 years ago, Folks picking cotton, slave and master. You know, especially with kids today, they look at that nigga, that doesn't have anything to do with me out and checking out. And they will do that with any given course material. It takes a real good teacher to push that kind of material without leveraging critical thinking skills. So in my mind, as, as I said, and I, I don't think it's just in my mind, I think it's reality. It's, it's what is. It's what needs to be. Critical thinking as an activity in the training room, the classroom, becomes in, in much more effective, enhancing when you apply critical thinking skills, when you dialogue, when you conflict, when you ask the questions between trainer and trainee, if you're trying to teach someone how to code, you're doing an activity in coding that at the end is going to be very rewarding, and you're back and forth with how to solve a logic problem. And, you know, even in the, even in the midst of the fun, you're being antagonistic and challenging just for the sake of the activity itself. This is immensely rewarding when you get to the end of the activity and you guys have, have built something, you've coded something, this, this is how it works. This is how it works well. 
and this is what we must do. And, you know, I've uh, time and time again, when I've done seminars on the critical thinking, on critical success in two rules of three and critical thinking in general, I've had people come back and tell me how applicable the concepts are, that, you know, the simplicity of it is what's rewarding, especially when it comes down to how to get a job. I, you know, I've, I've heard that the most, you know, stop and think, realize what it is you're trying to pursue, come up with an approach and an action plan. Your action plan always should involve a couple of key things. Make sure that your resume stands out. Make sure that it has the right components in it that tell the story of you. Make sure you're actually leveraging your network because the best way to evolve your career is to make sure that you're connected to people that can move you from one place to another. We do that at BDPA. Jobs can be found by calling people as opposed to people beating the streets and getting feet tired trying to find another spot. You build a network, you leverage a network, you create an opportunity. That in and of itself is a critical thinker's exercise. If you don't do that, if you don't go out and you don't connect and you don't ask questions, you don't get to know people and you don't consider their perspectives and what it is they're trying to achieve, then you won't be able to readily make the next step in a fashion that is accommodating. It, it'll, it'll be challenging. And more often than not, that's what I get feedback about, that people feel that these concepts help them when they try to use them in, you know, in, in their lives to try to build fundamental personal economic control. I'm, I didn't write a whole book on how to plan a budget. That's not my wheelhouse. What I did was I wrote a book that told you to stop and think and look at yourself. Look in the mirror and paint your own personal picture. And I don't mean a Picasso. Don't get paint and brush. You get a pencil. I've had people tell me, I wrote down what seems to be broken. Thank you. I just, I, I didn't think to do that. And that's a fascinating thing. But you, so you, you, you didn't think to just write down the five things that were causing you pain and really digesting them. And nope. Well, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, I see it in a different light. Often the simple activity of looking at themselves, literally looking at themselves and considering what it is they're doing. Again, you know, going back to the book, when I talk about folks and testimonials, I talk about the major barriers to critical success. One is the lack of critical thinking skills, which we talked about ad nauseum. Two, media-driven consumer celebrity. I didn't give the full definition, but it's a social trend in which the factors of production, distribution, and marketing all come together to facilitate successful economic growth at the expense of the consumer. That is one facet of NBC. What that means is that there are people out there that use marketing as a weapon, and they take away your ability to think for yourself and the, the spending of your hard-earned cash. It, it ruins you. If you can't think critically, if you can't stop and think. The other barrier is the willful assumption of debt, which we know what that is, and the fourth one is the get-rich-quick schemes, which we've talked about tonight. People who I've shared those, those barriers with, they stop, they think, they really consider them, and, and they freely admit that they've been sucking in by maybe almost all of them. And I freely admit I've been dead by all four, which is why I was able to write about them. I've done many MLMs. I tried to get rich quick. I've been fooled by NBC, thinking hey, the mean virus bit me. And before I understood that, NBC could be used positively to convince people to do good things. I was busy doing the things that hurt me financially because someone told me it was going to do good by me, and it most certainly did not. And I definitely wasn't thinking critically about it. And so the barriers had me locked in. But the 10-point plan allowed me to break through. And in order to do that, again, you start right at the beginning of the 10-point plan, you stop and think. I just had someone come by today and tell me thank you. You know, I stopped and I thought about it. That's, that's a very important exercise. Again, fascinating. We laugh about it, but it's, it's real. 
You know, people don't stop. They don't think. They just go. They just go. Just like you said a while ago, Jacqueline, maybe before we, we do things in IT, we see something, okay, we jump right to the solution phase. Um, how, how are you going to get there? We're going to get there. How? Stop asking how. We're just going to do it. Just, oh, okay, <laughs> fine. I collect the check. <laughs> not the right way to do it, but it, it's what's done. More often than not, Absolutely. I hear people come back and tell me that these things are very helpful. Uh, and and I'm a, a witness. And, you know, we did um, a professional development boot camp, and people by demand lined up at your door, wanted to speak with you, and, and the, the coaching and the, the feedback and the direction you gave them, um, I could tell that they they received it. And, and we've seen a living proof of, of them as they've continued their journey um, in their professional development, in their careers, um, and that was a, a, a boot camp that we need to do it again soon, very soon, and, and we'll have to talk about that. Uh, a collaboration uh, between BDPA and Technology Expresso, and, and let's do that again. But be, as I look at our time winding down, share with people, because you do do um, seminars, you've uh, taught, I know, at the BDPA National Conference. I don't know if we'll see you again this year, but um, also people, again, connect with you. Your books are on Amazon.com and also through Twitter. So kind of share with people um, how they can connect with, with Derek Brown and, and what's next um, from from that aspect. Okay, they can get with me on Facebook at DS Brown. Um, we're going to change that because 2015 is the evolution of the brand, right? So we got some growth to do. But if you want to find me right now on Facebook, I'm at DS Brown. On LinkedIn, I'm D. Sherrod Brown. You won't remember that, but look look up Derek Brown on LinkedIn, and and there'll be a few of us out there, but I think I'll stand out a little bit. You'll see me smiling face. And on Twitter, I'm at MeetDSBrown. Uh, yeah, Twitter, at MeetDSBrown. Also, go to the website, MeetDSBrown.com. In about, oh, say three weeks, that site will be changing, too. Um, go check it out. Connect with me. And again, as Jacqueline said, the books are out there on Amazon.com. Critical Success, The Two Rules of Three, an educational primer for the majority student, letters to my mother, and why I voted for President Barack Hussein Obama II. Now, you said what's coming next. You will back and you know how I am, and we all know that I have functional ADD. So I took from you the necessity to put my life in the six brackets, and I don't even think you know this, Jack. And I took your six buckets and I three I feed it and put it into a worksheet that drives my life now. So <laughs> I look at it every day. And so I got myself compartment line. But you actually do listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. I got my six buckets up front. I three feed them every day. So the things that are coming out this year, uh, please be on the lookout next. Uh, finally, after all this time, we'll be releasing a fictional book. It's called Champion. He's an African-American teen. He's a superhero by the strongest Superman, much better. And uh, it's a galaxy-spanning space opera that takes place here on Earth and in another galaxy. So it's 560 pages of scintillating action. We felt like to think so, and the art that goes with it is just absolutely mind-boggling. i got to send a shout-out to Eric Wilkerson um, out of New York. He is doing a tremendous job on drawing my characters for me. He's really bringing my work to life. And uh, after that, I've got eight other manuscripts. We talked about 3FE. That's coming out next. And then there will be uh, One Atlanta Freaks, Monumental Atlanta, 
Um, uh, when love is not enough, love is enough. I got a ton of books, folks. So just just be on the lookout and. The uh, elevation of the brand again. The website's going to change. I'll be doing sneak engage, uh, engagements again this year. You have to. Uh, I won't freak people out by how much I charge, but I do have. I do come with a price tag. If you need someone to speak, go to the website, shoot me a message. We can make a connection. I'll be glad to show up. BS Brown is coming out strong in 2015. And lastly, the biggest bucket is if you haven't checked it out, please go to hypefan.com and see what's coming next, the next promotional brand worldwide, the best brand on planet Earth, in my personal opinion, will be Hype Fan. And connect with Hype Fan on Twitter at, at HypeFanatic. So go to HypeFan.com, take a look at the uh, teaser commercial, and be on the lookout. Somewhere halfway through the year, I think you'll all see something that's pretty amazing. Simple, but amazing, in my humble opinion. Absolutely, and the culmination of some critical thinking. But, you know, anyone, if, if you didn't catch all of that, also visit technologyexpresso.com, the feature show, Derek uh, Brown's uh, covering of Critical Success, his book tonight, and we have listed in the description how to connect with D.S. Brown and also how to get the book from Amazon.com. Um, and as I mentioned, this is one of a four-part series, um, and, and and thank you to Derek for um, working with us and continuing to come back, and what we're going to do is continue the conversation about critical success, critical thinking. want you to go out there, do your homework, get the book, apply it, and then talk to us. Tell us what worked, what didn't work. Ask Derek questions. Tell us your success stories. Um, it's a work in progress. As Derek said, he's an aspiring critical thinking, critical thinker. I'm an aspiring critical thinker. It, uh, it's incorporated in my job as well as in my personal life. Um, so I want to share some of our stories too. Uh, David here, who's joined me in the last couple of minutes. I'm an inspired thinker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to think first, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and together, we, we'll continue to explore this and watch our growth over the year. It's, it's a journey. And so I want you to take the journey with us, uh, connect with us. It'll be the second Wednesday of April, and then we'll be back again in July, and then we'll be back again in September. So uh, stay with us and just go to the website. You'll see the uh, reoccurring series is labeled. We've reorganized our archives so you can find the various series, um, and we're going to have other series, including meeting uh, other executive-level uh, thought leaders in a motivation series, and that's going to be led by Felicia Jones. Um, also, our own David Blackman is going to be hosting a series for veterans in transition into technology had a great uh, series last year, and we're continuing that this year. We're also going to have Sharon Simmons, who created an app. She's going to come on the show and tell you how you can create your own app, and she's going to do a six-part series with us. And then we also have uh, David's going to have innovators. As you know, in the past we've had other app creators um, and and other authors. So. Stay tuned, full schedule, visit technologyexpresso.com. 
Thank you, Derek Brown, and we look forward to talking to you again. Everybody, go buy the book. And in the meantime, continue to critically think. Thank you, everyone. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.